I found a reading this morning on um, detachment that I thought would be a good one to read. It's the January 12th from Courage to Change. Early one morning, I stopped to watch a colony of bees. A little intimidated by the frenzy's motion and intense buzzing, I reminded myself that if I didn't poke my nose into their hive, I wouldn't get stung. If I chose to maintain a safe distance from a dangerous situation, I would be fine. To me, that is exactly the lesson that detachment teaches. The choice is mine. When I sense that a situation is dangerous to my physical, mental, or spiritual well-being, I can put extra distance between myself and the situation. Sometimes this means that I don't get too emotionally involved in a problem. Sometimes I may physically leave the room or to end the, or end the conversation. And sometimes I try to put a spiritual space between myself and another's alcoholism or behavior. This doesn't mean I stop loving the person, only that I acknowledge the risk to my own well-being and make choices to take care of myself. Today's reminder. Now I know how to end an argument by simply refusing to participate, to turn to my higher power for help with whatever I'm powerless to change, to say no when I mean no, and to step back from insanity rather than diving into it. Detachment is a loving gift I continue to give to myself and to others. There's an old Hasidic saying, if a man carries his own lantern, he need not fear darkness. I'd like to present Mary, who's going to speak to us about detachment. That reading sounded pretty good. In fact, we could almost just break into groups right now, except um, when they called to um, and asked me to speak on detachment, I thought it was a pretty advanced subject and something that maybe I wouldn't um, know much about or be able to um, say much about. I've been thinking about it for a couple of months, and I will tell you a little bit about my history and my um, history specifically with detachment. I grew up in Ohio, um, not with an alcoholic family. I'm, I'm doing a lot of work and have been for a couple of years on just what my family was like and how I got to be the way I am. It's sort of this very thorough fourth and fifth step. Um, I went off to school and then I moved to Manhattan. Um, away from my family. I liked my family and enjoyed them and whatnot, but I did not want to be around them. And I think part of that was maybe criticism or um, I wanted to be free and I wanted to have adventures. I didn't want to be living in Ohio and um, feel that people's eyes were on me or whatever. So I went off to New York. Um, and was there single for um, about 13 years before I met my husband and got married. I was never that interested in getting married. I didn't think that I was um, good marriage material. And I, I, my mother had always viewed men sort of as um, um, amusing things, toys, nothing that you'd want to depend on or, or really rely upon. So, and I still have a lot of trouble seeing men as anything 
I just wouldn't want them to handle anything really important. I, so, now, I had started to be involved a little bit with people in the program in the early 70s. I wasn't, um, I didn't actually know that anything about AA or know that they were in recovery, but they were and they gave me little bits of philosophy of focus on yourself and that's not your problem and, and whatnot. And I was in the middle of practicing some of these principles and putting them into effect and I saw that my life was a little bit better. I wasn't quite so um, um, much a loner. You can live in Manhattan and just observe life or it's a great place to just be an observer. I think big cities are like um, people who used to go out into the woods and, and live alone for months at a time and come back to civilization just periodically. You could do that in, in New York. Now, my husband was a recovering alcoholic when I, when I met him. And he was very, um, he had everything that I would want in a husband. He was very intelligent and, and, um, and funny. And he had a very sound philosophy of life, seemed to be very calm and have a lot of friends and, and whatnot. And, well, we decided to get married, but we decided to get married, and then we didn't tell anybody for three months because we wanted to see how it felt. We were both old. I was, I was 35, and he was in his early 40s and, and hadn't been married before. He'd been in recovery for about eight years. So we got married, and I can look back now, and I can see that he was gradually getting away from the program, gradually getting a little bit less, um, um, I hate saying healthy, I just don't like the word, but he was, I guess you have to say he was getting less um, sound as he went along. And I think I can look back and see that our marriage was getting a little bit, you know, I, I was getting more distant and um, I was probably awfully critical, this, that, and the other. We. Um, he was unhappy with his job. I said, look around for other jobs. He got an, a different job in New Jersey, about an hour outside of New York. We, we moved to New Jersey. Um, and about a year later, we were on a trip. Actually, we were scuba diving in Australia. And it was a little bit of a strange trip because I never saw my husband. We were on this boat. There were only 15 people on this trip. I didn't see him. When I went to bed, he wasn't there. When I got up, he was already up. I get seasick, so I had to be out on deck on this boat. I couldn't eat with the other people who ate inside. So I saw crew members. We never saw any other boats. It was wonderful for me. I, I read and, and did some diving. On the way back, this was in 1987 on, on the plane, I was partly asleep and I heard my husband order a Bloody Mary and he didn't say just the mix and I just I didn't say anything I just um, kept my eyes shut and um, thought well maybe this will go away or I was really terrified when I had um, married him I thought that people um, that sobriety would be sort of a matter of luck or sort of a gamble, that maybe he would drink, maybe he wouldn't drink. And it was really just chance what 
what would happen. The um, what I realize now is that that unless you are going to the the program and really working at at um, the steps and the slogans and giving up resentments and this that and the other that um, it's dangerous that you either live live well and live a sound healthy life or you drink or in the case of me and Al-Anon you just go into a downward spiral and just don't have a good life on your own so we um, got back home and um, nothing happened and I thought well maybe this is just past maybe that was just one drink and everything will be all right and then about a week later he came home and and he had been drinking again and I just I didn't know what to do and I was very I really was in a state of terror and I didn't say anything I don't think at any rate it happened another time and I thought I'd better tell him that that I know so I said that I was aware that he had resumed drinking and he said don't worry about it I have it all under control and I won't you know this is it I won't drink anymore so I thought well very good he has it under control I don't have to worry about it um, very good and then about a week later he had had he came home having had an, a drink drinking again and I realized that this was uh, a problem and that um, he would be working on it but that it wouldn't be something that would just happen overnight and I knew enough to know that when you're in a situation with um, alcohol there's just one thing to do which is to go to Al-Anon I tried some Al-Anon meetings in the beginning of our marriage and it wasn't um, I didn't feel that comfortable there because I'd had no experience with alcoholism and I felt sort of out of place and not um, um, I didn't connect all of the things I'd done without the program using program ideas with going to Al-Anon so I started to go to Al-Anon just about immediately because it and as I look back I don't I'm glad that I did because I could not have um, it just is such a shocking and horrible thing to have just plunked down in front of you like that um, I I don't think my husband was a normal alcoholic because he was not um, extroverted he did not drink with anybody else I never saw him drink um, I I think he I don't even know now where he drank or um, what he did with it I uh, was thinking that as long as he was drinking when we went out for dinner we could at least order wine but, you know why not get something out of alcoholism <laughs> but <laughs> well he told me I didn't understand so <laughs> at any rate I went to Al-Anon and I did what I think of as sort of hardcore Al-Anon I, I really focused on the program I focused on myself I lived just a minute at a time I focused on my own feelings and um, I realized that I was able to detach from alcoholism and I was trying to figure out just how because it sounds easy you know this this little thing that you've all seen it gives you all 
all the things that you learn not to suffer because of the actions or reactions of other people um, don't allow yourself to be used in the interest of someone's recovery um, don't do for others what they can do for themselves don't manipulate situations so they will do healthy things don't cover up don't create a crisis and don't prevent a crisis all that all of that I took that to heart and I focused on doing that and I've realized that that the reason I could do this after a while was that, that there was no question that this was an alcoholic we had no question that that it was alcoholism my husband was an alcoholic there was no doubt at all and I understood that because to me there's a difference between knowing something and understanding it I I understood that um, this was what was happening and I accepted that this was what was happening I realized there was really nothing that I could do to help that that my husband had to do what he had to do I had to trust him that he was taking care of this to the best of his ability and when I was able to do those things then I could um, let go of the control and let the higher power handle it and um, that's about what I was able to do um, in the meantime my husband had first he was going to handle this problem on his own then he start, went then about six months later he thought he couldn't do that so he went back to AA meetings then that didn't quite work so he went to an outpatient rehab then he didn't drink for about eight months but was in a very bad mood the whole time and then finally he had this um, sort of big crisis where he drank at work and everybody knew that he was drunk and he ended up having to go into um, an inpatient rehab which I did not think would work because I thought he when he talks he is articulate and that they would not um, be able to get to him but I guess that they did um, because he's, he's now been back in recovery for about seven years and um, I don't know it just it seems like a longer period of time than just over two years that I had this experience um, I also I have this this character trait of um, the worst things are sort of the better the, the better I feel I um, I kept thinking the worse that Jean got the closer we were to the end and I sort of hoped that the worse that he would just get worse and worse and worse and that that by doing that he would then eventually get better I'm only happy when the stock market is down I don't I'm uncomfortable with it hi so that brings me to how I feel about detachment now in recovery and this is what I need help from all of you on and when we're in the small groups I'm um, I I'm trying to apply detachment to um, things other than alcoholism and by doing this talk I realized that I have to follow these same um, steps that I took with detachment in active alcoholism um, my husband had a, a problem last year with a rapid irregular heartbeat 
and I don't have children and I'm not used to these these crises where you arise in and out of emergency rooms and whatnot. I lead a life that is very um, calm and um, not um, not um, one crisis after another or a problem after another. And there's nothing like taking a husband to an emergency room late at night. It's just, um, especially if you aren't used to it. They They apparently have this situation um, in under control or it's just an irregular heartbeat and whatever but I realize I don't really understand what that means and what the ramifications are I I haven't really accepted that my husband Meyer might not be what he's always been because he seems perfectly um, fine um, I don't trust him to take care of it on his own I I don't know if it's men or if it's doctors but he'll see someone in the hall and say oh Charlie what do you think about this and such and get an answer and not go in like a normal person to see a doctor and be assessed and be looked at I finally at one point I decided because I was trying to apply Ellen and I figured to hell with this I found his cardiologist in the hall one day. I asked what he does with normal patients with this condition. He said, I see them every three months. And then I said, now what do you do with doctors in this situation? He said, I see them twice a year. So I said, well, what are you doing with um, Gene? And he said, oh, well, I haven't seen him at all. And I, and he told me he didn't want to see me. Well, he told me that, that the doctor had never said that to him at all. At any rate, I have to let him handle this problem however he's going to handle it and um, let go of control and let the higher power handle it. Um, one thing I did want to do this time that I was not able to do with, with um, alcoholism is have the feelings. I think that the whole time we were involved with um active alcoholism I didn't feel I I think I also used Al-Anon not to feel um, because I was afraid I was paralyzed with fear I didn't know anything about feelings and I think in a lot of ways I used Al-Anon so that I did not feel afraid and now that I'm I've been working on feelings for maybe six years you know they come and go and and I'm finding it's not so, they aren't so horrible. And somehow this time I want to be able to detach, but still have, have feelings of fear or whatever come in and go out. And I, I think that if I'm able to just say, oh, yes, I'm afraid or this is appropriate to be afraid, that then maybe I won't be quite as um, desperate or quite as frightened. Um, I hadn't realized how, um, until I had to think about detachment for this talk, that that's really what, what I need in this situation and in a lot of situations. Not just not seeing things, but, but seeing things and um, facing up to them and then letting go of them. So, this is it. I would like you to break up into small groups. <laughs>